Once upon a time, in a faraway land, there was a story that changed everything. Hello and welcome back to Story Tales, the podcast all about storytelling in its many forms. I am here today with Danny Chambers. Danny, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing really good. It's actually Danny's birthday today. Happy birthday, Danny. Ah, uh, thank you. So I talked in the last episode about how I started acting when I was really young and how acting is actually my favorite form of storytelling. So... Danny is here to talk with me about acting, and Danny, I want you to tell all the nice listeners how you got started into acting. Uh, well, I have been acting since I was six years old, so it started off with those um, just plays written from church or uh, in the community, and growing up, I, I did that and up until uh, high school, um, and I'm originally from California, so I, I did that in California, and then I moved to Texas and then started doing even more theater and started getting involved with with all that and and recently voice acting so um, I've always loved the stage and just acting pretty much in general whether it's film or voice it's been a passion of mine and I'm pursuing trying to pursue it as a uh, it would be nice as a full-time career but (laughs) um, but who knows what will happen yeah acting is one of the the most uncertain professions because, you know, even Broadway performers will file for, like, unemployment between shows because they're like, well, I mean, who knows? I might get a job soon and I might not. It right. all depends. <laughs> um, but I don't know if I've told you this. I, I said this in the last episode. I started acting when I was six, too. And Aww. Yeah. My first show I was ever in was an Easter show at the church we were going to at the time. And uh, I played a little crippled boy that Jesus heals. So, wow, we, we basically started the same way. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But I I agree. There's something about theater that's just so fulfilling. One thing I really love is just the instant reaction. You know, like when you make a a podcast like this or when you make a movie, you know, something where it's going to be edited and then released and people Mm -hmm. can watch it or listen to it in the privacy of their own home. You have no idea how they're going to react. You know, you're just hoping that they like it and you're just waiting to hear feedback. But when you do a show, when you do a live performance, there's that instant, you know, uh, feedback. There's that instant response. And that's one thing I really love about theater. And there's a different energy about it. When people are watching you do it live, there's just this whole different energy, you know. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I think that's why I personally prefer theater over um, the different types. Mm-hmm. Because uh, my forte is comedy. So I... I I feel like I thrive off of people's laughter whenever I act. So, um, like, you know, if there's a show I'm doing and I'm playing a funny part and there's a joke line and it feels great when I pull it off and then the audience starts laughing, it's like, yes. And then it's like, it's like a whole Dragon Ball Z thing. Like, I feel their energy to release more, you know? Yes. Give me your energy. <laughs> Pretty much. People of the theater, give me your energy. <laughs> give me your energy. <laughs> but yeah, when you're doing a drama, you don't really get that feedback unless you hear sniffles, you know, unless you're mm-hmm. giving a really powerful monologue and you hear people like sniffling, then you're like, oh, good. But like during all the the rest of it, you're just like, 
Uh, but then there's also that thing about about when you're doing a drama. If you're doing a drama really well, the jokes are almost like guaranteed to land. You know, I mean, you still have to pull them off well, but you know what I'm saying? Like, because you have mm-hmm. to cut the tension. So like, they're like, you you tell a joke and they're like, oh, thank God. Like, oh, oh a little break, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like one thing I, um, my theater teacher taught me growing up was if you get the audience to laugh with you, they'll cry with you. Yeah. And, and doing that uh, during like shows that are dramatic. Um, if you make a, say your character is the protagonist and, you know, something bad happens at the end. You make that character, character likable in the beginning. So if there's like a few jokes that they have, you, um, you know, you say the few jokes and the audience, you know, laughs. That means, you know, they're kind of, they're liking your character that you're portraying. And then in the end, when your time comes for the sad part, you know, they'll cry because they actually cared about your character. Yeah. And, and you know, most dramas don't just start off really bad. You know, most dramas are like, hey, everything's kind of good and then everything goes bad. So it does give that time, you know, and I think a good drama has good jokes in it. You know, there are some good dramas that don't have any jokes, but I think most mm-hmm. really good jo- dramas, when the jokes are there, they're they're there, you know? And yeah. I really like that about good dramas where it's like, you know, it's it's really emotional and it's really good, but when a joke hits, it really hits. You know, you're like, oh, that was clever. Yep. Anyway, I talked about in the last episode that I stopped acting for a little bit and then... I started acting again when I was 13 because my mom actually convinced me to get back into it. She was like, you did this when you were younger and you really liked it. And of course, I was a teenager. So I was like, really like, oh, no, I don't want to. <laughs> like, people will be <laughs> looking at me, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is kind of the whole point. But I did. I went and auditioned and I got in. And that show was Once on This Island. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's a really good musical, supposed to be all African people, but uh, we didn't have any <laughs> we didn't have any <laughs> black people at our community theater, so it was all white kids. <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> I guess that one is a little easier to do that than like hairspray. Yeah. But I didn't even know that until later, until I actually like looked up the Broadway show and I was like, oh, there are no white people in this show, <laughs> in the real show. <laughs> Funny thing, I actually rewatched the recording of that show recently, and I I was like, I'm not even acting. Like my singing was fine, but like I wasn't acting at all. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> this is <laughs> this is I'm just up there singing and moving and doing the choreography. But you know, I hadn't acted since I was like eight or nine, so yeah, I, I guess it makes sense. But there's just something special about acting and and I have a this is a question I didn't talk to you about it before but I just thought of it Mm -hmm. but I remember the moment that I realized that I wanted to do acting professionally and it was when I was doing a show called Aida um and it's it's amazing it's not the opera there's an opera Aida too but there's also a musical but I I like the music oh my god yeah by music by Elton John and Tim Rice and oh it's just so good it's so good I was waiting in the wings to come on stage during that show and that's when I realized this is what I want to do like this is actually it's not just a hobby I want to do this as a career Mm -hmm. and so I'm wondering do you remember the moment that you realized I want to act like professionally I want to really do this yes actually kind of resembles your story a little bit I kind of stopped acting when I was in middle school I I wanted to play sports and um because uh, actually, when I was a kid, I actually did like 
uh, modeling and commercials and stuff like that. And then I stopped because it was getting weird and and I wanted to be a kid. So I started playing basketball from middle school to about my sophomore year in high school. And I just wasn't happy with it. And then we moved to Texas and I was going to try the sports there, but I was just, I'm a skinny little thing. And so trying to play basketball against these, you know, really tall and buff ladies was very um, disheartening. <laughs> you can say they were super good all the while. Like I'm over here like, okay, I'm going like to play shoot. too. <laughs> Pretty much is what it was like. I mean, I was good, but you know, self-confidence issues and whatnot. But I came to Texas and I was like kind of feeling depressed and sad because I didn't, you know, didn't have any friends. Um, I didn't know what I was, you know, what I, where I would fit in. Until I found out um, the high school that I went to, my ju- like I, I went to this high school my junior year because I moved in the middle of high school, and I found out that they had a theater program, and I was like, oh, cool, theater, but they actually traveled and competed with it, so I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of cool, and um, it was called Oral Interpretation, and so there was like different categories, like humorous interpretation, dramatic interpretation, uh, duet, and like a couple other things, like one act as well. I enjoyed it a lot. I loved the fact that I got to travel and, and perform monologues um, in front of judges and win prizes and stuff like that. And it was an amazing feeling. And until one day we were doing a one act play, I, did, I was in the runnings for the lead of that of that show for one act and I didn't get it but the director um her name is Mrs. Russell I love her so much her and her husband like run the theater department over there and they're amazing um she brought me to the side and told me why I didn't get the role she well that's nice that doesn't always happen that never happens I know (laughs) usually they're just like whatever get over it or they don't even (laughs) say that they just don't say anything they're just like these people got these roles. All right, that's the facts. And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's awesome is that, you know, the class was small enough or the, the crew was small enough for her to do that. And she knows how dedicated I work because when I found out that there was this program, I was still new to this. So I was learning like, okay, what do I do? And so I kept coming in early in the morning because I rode the bus and I got there like super early. I would go in her office and just like, okay, oh, how do I work on this? What do I do this? And it, it forced me to reevaluate my motivation for for being an actor and how to look at things differently and so she pulled me aside she's like you didn't get this role because you know you lacked this and this you were good but you still need to work on this and because of that I actually got a role that was it was a supporting role mm. and and so I had to be an older woman but I looked so young yeah and so she worked with me on that and helped me Pull the old lady out of me, if that makes sense. (laughs) And I sat. Okay, and then like it wasn't a performance, but it was like our final dress rehearsal, and I'm finally performing, and I feel myself like become this woman, like become Mm. a different character, and that's when I knew I said this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, just to feel that, just to do that, and and how it confirmed it was. My teacher, Mrs. Russell, she said, that was it. You, you did it. You finally you finally gave her the voice she needed. I was like, yes. Yeah. That's always, oh. a, that's, that's always a great feeling when you've been struggling with a certain character and you're like, okay, like this isn't right. Like 
none of this is right yet. This isn't this character. I, I can just feel that this isn't right. And then you get to a point where something just clicks. Maybe you change the voice a little bit. Maybe you find a tick that they do. Maybe you find a mannerism that they have. And it you're just like, there they are. They're here, you know? Yep. And that's yep. always great. And I, first of all, our lives are so similar in as far as like acting because I did dramatic interpretation at my school. I went really? to public school. Yeah, I went to public school only for a year and a half. So I didn't actually get to do it that much. But I did dramatic interpretation when I went to public school and mm-hmm. I actually made it to nationals in the uh, National Forensics League. And Ooh. yeah, it, but I mean, I got... I got disqualified at nationals pretty quick. <laughs> like it was oh, like no. it's a it's a whole different ball game there, you know. Yeah, they are, um, they don't play. No, no, no. But I actually auditioned at my school to do a humorous interpretation. And uh the guy who was auditioning me was like, "Do you usually do humorous stuff?" And I was like, "Yeah, typically." And he was like, "Okay, you're going to do dramatic." And I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> "But I but I just said I just said, <laughs> um, but yep. I'm I'm really glad he did that because because of that, I feel like that really sh- is the thing that strengthened my dramatic acting because mm-hmm. I had to compete doing dramatic things. And so I really had to push myself. And I, I guarantee that's the reason he did that, you know, because I was yep. like, oh, drama is drama is a kind of a weaker point for me. And, you know, he was like, OK, well, that's what you're doing. I've heard mm-hmm. people say if you can, if you're really good at comedy, you can do drama. Like you can pull off yeah. drama. Because um, actually, because comedy is the hardest to to actually pull off because of the comedic timing. You know, if you don't get the audience to laugh, then you fail pretty much. Yeah. So it's it's a lot harder. Comedy is a lot harder than dramatic. Yeah. In, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think maybe that's why I was able to, you know, do it and push myself and actually do well was because I had only really worked on comedy and so I was like I can do comedy and they were like try drama and I was like <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so but yeah like when you think about Robin Williams he's you know so funny or he was so funny and rest in peace Robin Williams mm-hmm. um, he was so funny and yet in a dramatic role he was so good I've seen him in only a few dramatic roles but all of those dramatic roles that I've seen, it's just he was just so so good, and it's a lot of people didn't expect that, you know. And he won an Oscar. He's only won one Oscar, and it was for Goodwill Hunting, which was a dramatic yeah. role, you know. So insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also I also competed in one act in in dramatic interpretation, and I did UIL and stuff like that. So that's really funny mm-hmm. that we we started acting at the same age and. We both stopped and then got back into it and both competed in school. Oh, my God. That's just really funny. I'm Danny, like, are we the same person? I don't know. <laughs> but you talked about your love for acting was confirmed, like you wanted to do it, but then it was also confirmed later. And I kind of had a moment like that where... When I was working at Six Flags, I heard a story. This didn't actually happen to me, but it kind of like confirmed my passion, you know, in a way. This guy was telling a story about when he was just a technician, like he was just in the sound booth 
he w- but he was performing with us at that point. But b- when this story happened, he was just in the sound booth helping out with tech. And he said that this man came up to them after a show at Six Flags and said, I just want to let you know that my mother passed away a few months ago and I have been depressed and I haven't been happy or smiled once since then, except for tonight when I was watching your show. This show was the first thing that made me smile in months. And I just want to thank Mm. you guys. And, you know, he was like, I'm just in, I'm just in the sound booth. I didn't do anything. But hearing that story, I was like, that, that is exactly why I love acting, you know, is if I, if I do a performance and like nobody cares except one person and it just really touches that person and impacts their life, I will consider it a success, you know, Uh, because that's to me, that's what it's all about. That's for me, that's what it's all about for other people. It may be for different things, but just to tell a story and to impact somebody's life. And it wasn't even it, it wasn't even a drama that they were doing. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't really a substantial story either. It was a 40 minute silly campy theme park show, but it impacted his life for the better and it made him smile and laugh for the first time in months since his mother passed away. And to me, that is the power of acting and of performance and of theater and that is why it's my favorite way to tell stories yeah so speaking of that using that as a transition um, uh-huh, segway segway holy segway batman uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if you can remember some people might not know but what is your favorite acting performance and or what is the first acting performance that you saw that made you just go Wow, like you were just like, that was amazing. Oh my goodness. I guess my favorite acting performance that I've done is Once Upon a Mattress. I did this last year. I played Princess Winifred, and I absolutely love Cara Burnett. Mm-hmm. And so she originally played Fred, and I absolutely loved the show when I saw it, because one of my best friends actually played uh, Fred. And when I saw the show, I was like, I I love, I I have to know everything about the show, and (laughs) I absolutely adore it. And when I found out that the community theater near me was doing it, I was like, oh my god, I have to do it! And, And so I auditioned, and I got the role of Fred, and I had, I never had so much fun in a role in my life. I I felt like I was just enjoying the character because she's really goofy and and crazy and and that's how I feel like I am most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I felt like it just it was it came easy for me. So it was like this is perfect. And so after the show I had a lot of people come up to me like, "Oh my goodness, you were just so funny." And and I love I love hearing that because I love making people laugh. It's yeah. it's a joy to me. That's why I love comedy so much and and just seeing and hearing people say that, I'm like, yes, I did my job. So that was my favorite performance. But my favorite performance that I've actually seen was my aunt took me to see The Color Purple in Dallas mm. um, years ago. And oh, my word, I hadn't cried that much <laughs> in years. 
at the time. I was like, this is so good. And it was just, it wasn't even Broadway. It was just Dallas. I mean, it's still, they're still great in Dallas. Yeah. But it was just like, you know, you would, ex- you think you would expect to just ball your eyes out at Broadway, but no, no, the color purple was amazing. And wow. I'm like, who are these people? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Like, who are you? Wow. That's really cool. I kind of have two performances that I've seen that really impacted me. The first one that really impacted me, this might seem really cliche, but was actually Heath Ledger as the Joker in Batman. Mm. Because for me, that was the first time I watched a performance and I didn't see the actor at all. I only saw the character. Mm. And, you know, to see something like that is a once in a lifetime thing, I feel like. You know, to watch that movie and not be like, wow, Heath Ledger's doing a really good job, but to be like, wow, the the Joker is really scary and terrible, you know? Yeah. And it's like, if you look really hard, you can see his facial features and stuff like that. And that's not what I mean. But like, that person is not in that movie at all. Heath Ledger is not in The Dark Knight. Not, yeah. not one bit. And just to see someone sink into that role so well, you know, everyone's like, oh, it was the Joker that killed him. But I actually don't think that that's the case because I actually like did some research and looked into it and looked at interviews and looked at stuff with his family and the people who made the film. And apparently his fiance had just recently left with his daughter because he, he had started doing drugs again. And she was like, OK, I definitely don't want our daughter to be around you right now. And so she had left. And so he was already kind of like depressed and doing, you know, narcotics and I think he was also hooked on anxiety medication. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he had been taking anxiety medication ever since he started being a famous actor. Like, the first time he saw his face, like, on a billboard, I think, he, like, had an anxiety attack. And so he oh, was... Oh, gosh. Yeah, so he was on anxiety medicine. And everyone who knew him and loved him said that doing the Joker actually really helped him because he had so much fun. Because he was like, he was like, he was always talking to his his sister about it and how he was so excited and how he couldn't wait to see it and how it was so much fun to do. And um, he, he brought this energy on set that everyone who worked with him thought was very infectious. And they all said it was just a, a joy to work with him and that he would encourage them to be better performers. And, and you know, and they're not bad performers. Everyone else in that movie is really good, you know. He just stands out more. <laughs> yeah, he just brought this passion and this energy. And I, in fact, I heard that, uh, I read in, in several interviews that Christopher Nolan actually met with Heath Ledger before he was officially cast. And they talked about the Joker, and they both had the exact same idea for the character. Like, they mm. b- before they had even met, they were both completely in sync. And so I think it was just, you know, a sign of the fact that he was perfect for that role, you know? And yeah. I, I think he knew it. You know, not in a not in a narcissistic way, but I think he knew it. I think Nolan knew it. I think everyone on set knew it. And I think most people, when the movie came out, knew it. You know, they were like, well, he definitely was perfect for that role. And that was the first time I saw a role and I was like blown away by a performance. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, that was fantastic. And then the, yeah. s- the second one is Ramin Karamlu. I don't know if you've heard of him. He is an Iranian Canadian actor. So like he was, his family is from Iran and I think he was even born in Iran, but he grew up in Canada, but he plays the Phantom of the Opera in the 25th anniversary performance of Phantom of the Opera. He is fantastic. 
fantastic. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. But his acting, first of all, is amazing. Every facial expression, every note in his voice, you know, and I don't even mean like just singing, but even the the rare times where he speaks, you know, mm-hmm. just his movements, you know, his physicality. I guess spoilers for Phantom, maybe. I don't know. I might say spoilers for the show, but if you've never seen the movie or the 25th anniversary or the live show, don't watch the movie with Gerard Butler. Just skip that. But watch the watch the 25th anniversary or go see it live. But he acts differently physically with his body when he has the mask on versus when he has it off. And not every actor that I've seen be Phantom has has done that. Right. Like when he's has the mask on, he stands up very straight, he has great posture, his movements are very smooth and eloquent, like he's a very fancy rich man, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like, he, like he's higher class. But when his mask is off, he's hunched over his, his it's, he almost looks like a monster, like a creature. Not, and I don't even mean his prosthetics, I just mean his body shape, the way he just yeah. moves his body. The way and, he moves. Right, he just moves around with quick motions that aren't graceful at all, you know. And yeah. on top of that, his singing is phenomenal. He's he's able to hold out notes without using vibrato and stay perfectly on it. And it's just so smooth. And it makes you believe that Christine fell in love with him just from his voice. Because that's mm. the thing about Gerard Butler. He's a handsome man, but his singing is awful. Like, he's barely on the notes. Like, he's not flat, but he's barely on the note. The whole point of that character is that Christine falls in love with him not from his looks not from the way he dresses but from his voice and if you cast an actor whose voice is just okay that drops all believability out of that character you know that's one reason I hate the movie but <laughs> Ramin Karimloo's voice is just so perfect and you know it's mm. a live performance so it's like it's not like he recorded it on an album and then li- lip synced to it it was live and it was so good he's never flat he's never off his note he can hold out those notes without the vibrato and it's just silky smooth his acting when he sings because that's something that like when they hire film actors sometimes to be in a movie musical you can tell that they don't really know how to act and sing at the same time you know Mm -hmm. which is a very vital thing if you're going to be in a musical but Ramin Karamloo's like sing acting is also fantastic he can merge them so well for an entire episode, I could talk about Ramin Karimloo, and maybe we will in the future, but that's not this episode. But <laughs> but those, <laughs> are, those are the two performances that I've seen that just blew me away and just made me go, wow, you can do so much with this. You, you know, you, you know, and I knew that, but to see it happen, to witness somebody take acting to the next level is just an amazing sight to behold. Yeah. So last question... Since you and I talk about acting as a storytelling medium, what do you think makes acting, and we've kind of talked about this already, but what do you think makes acting special as a storytelling medium? What makes it stand out to you over other ways to tell stories? What stands out to me is the fact that you can tell somebody else's story and touch somebody with that story. The fact that I can be acting as... um, as a mother who lost her son in a school shooting, you know, for example, I could do my best to portray that, that character, how that mom feels, and, and to kind of relay her message onto other people. And to get people to feel that and understand that, even though they have not been through that, is 
is what amazes me that we can do that. Mm. You know, the fact that I can make you feel sorry or upset for this character that you don't know. You have no no idea what their background is, what they've been through in their life, just in this, you know, 15 or however long it is. I can make you care about somebody you don't even know. And if I can make you do that, then I've done my job right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there's also, I mean, acting is a vital part of other forms of sto- storytelling, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can have film that is predominantly visuals and the acting isn't as isn't, isn't as important but for the majority of the films out there acting is the driving force the, the the actor's performance mixed with the cinematography is the driving force of the story and theaters even more so like there is there is set design and there's music but there has to be acting to propel that story forward so you know, I, I think of, you know, actors aren't the only important people in, in the the film or the theater process by no means, but performance and acting is a very, very vital part of those storytell mediums, those those storytelling mediums, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> story tales, those storytell mediums. <laughs> but I, you know, it, it, those are the things that make those other mediums for the most part work, you know. Um mm-hmm. I haven't seen a movie. I'm sure there is one, but I haven't seen a movie with no actors. You know, I guess documentaries don't have actors, but yeah, but technically, acting is so vital in those areas. And there's just something about, and I think you said this, just becoming another person, being someone else, experiencing their life and mm-hmm. their hardships and their triumphs and just experiencing it and letting yourself feel the emotions that you think they would have felt. You know, there's just something about getting into the mind of someone else and just playing, you know, just playing it out. You know, mm-hmm. it's just so it's just such a great experience. I'm really glad that this is the passion that God gave me. But at the same time, it makes me nervous because it's a very uncertain career. <laughs> yes. But that's where, that's where faith comes in. Yeah, that's where faith comes in. But once you once you get an acting job, it's very fulfilling. Oh, it, Yes. And uh, I know you talked a little bit about how you do voice acting. I think we mentioned that. But before we sign off, just talk a little bit about how you got into voice acting and what you like about voice acting compared to other forms of acting. I got into voice acting about uh, six years ago now, five five or six years ago. It's been a journey. Uh, It's a lot different because in voice acting, you can't really use your body as much because the microphone will pick it up. So like if I have to throw like a baseball or something, I can't actually physically throw, pretend to throw a a baseball in the booth. Otherwise, the microphone will pick it up because I'll hit the mic. And I've done that before. (laughs) And so it's like you have to condense your actions into your voice. So if like today, actually, I had a session today, and I had to get up. Like, I was sitting down, and I had to get up, and the director said, okay, um, I need you to make, I need you to say this line like you're getting up. So, obviously, I can't sit down and then actually get up, because, you know, the, the microphone pick up my clothes rustling. And so, what I had to do was, I had to do my voice uh, like I'm getting up. So, I would do, um, so, like, the line is, like, um, I'm going to go get a soda. So, I'd have to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get a soda. Like, you know, pressing on my knee to get up. So I have to, you have to adjust your voice to the actions that you're doing. Yeah. And it's a real challenge because you don't really think about it that uh, you would have to do that. And so 
that was a huge challenge for me because I'm used to, you know, using my body to do some of the actions. But but now I've been in this for about, you know, as long as I have, I've learned to adjust and figure out how to do that with my voice. And so um, it's a good thing. And also it's a good thing that, you know, I've been in theater and done stuff like that to where I can actually know what that actually sounds like or how I need to do it. So that also helps. And another misconception that people think that voice acting is, is just, you know, making silly voices. It may seem like it, but it's really not. That's why there's actor at the end of the word voice. (laughs) You have to, you have to know how to act rather than just making a silly voice. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Well, I, I do want to have an entire episode where where you and I can talk about voice acting because that's a really cool area of acting that I feel like most people don't know much about or, you know, don't know anything about. So I think that would be really cool. So we should have you back on to talk about voice acting one of these days, Danny. Yeah, sure. Totally. I'd be down for that. Well, thank you, Danny, for talking to us. I can't wait to have you back on. Sure. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for listening to Story Tales. And I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And please stay tuned for more episodes. Can't wait to talk to you guys again. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Storytales. Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter at StorytalesPod, where you can share your story with us. Or you can email us at StorytalesPodcast at gmail.com. Your story is 